Welcome. This is episode two, or or one, one point dot zero one. We'll, we'll come up with a simver uh, way of numbering our, our, our podcast. Anyway, this is that's the second. That's not a bad one. idea. This is the, this is the second one. Uh, this is NPM Run Podcast. I'm Aaron Johnson, and I'm here with Alan Blunt, and we're talking about stuff. Uh, we're not quite sure what. I think I phrased my name as a question there. I think I went up at the end. It, I, it's an appropriate way of yeah. It's kind of late. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I'm not sure. So uh, every month we're going to pick a topic and we're going to bring you three podcasts on that topic, and it's going to be geared towards beginners, beginning developers, intermediate developers, and advanced. Uh, and then we'll take a week off. But yeah. Well, we got to mix stuff down. Yeah. And take take out the fart noises. <laughs> so this month we're talking about authentication and authorization and. Uh, I think we're talking about mainly sessions and tokens today. Well, we talked a, we talked about a, a bit of what authentication was, and then we went off on this tangent about how a lot of people talk about authentication and think that it also includes authorization. We talked about authorization, um, and now we're going to talk a little bit more about authentication because um, I think you know we just sort of gave a, a quick summary of hey you're logged in, um, but there's some mechanics to what it means to be logged in that I think a lot of developers could benefit from. Um, so if you have just grabbed a package off the shelf that handles authentication for you, um, that's that's great. That's the recommended strategy if you're trying to get out the door, right? Don't, don't but, roll your own. That's right. But uh, if you want to understand what's going on under the hood um, to debug something or even just to have a general understanding, that lends itself towards understanding a lot of what's going on with other things that your server is doing, like maintaining a persistent state across web page loads with a traditional thing or web requests with a web application. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's tied into that front door, and the front door is you're logged in. Right. And the main state is this person is logged in. So, you know, treat them the same, you know, in a similar way that's across right. every request. That's right. So we got the idea of, like, you start out with a username and password for this example, and you hit enter. And it goes to some server, and the server gives you a green checkbox or a red X. Let's assume a green checkbox, um, and you are now logged in. Um, that green checkbox uh, could respond with, let's say, a server-side rendered page that says, hey, welcome, or something like that, right? right? Like, we name. know your name, or right, exactly. Um, and then you click on some link on that page, and you load the next page. But you're still logged in. But you didn't send that same username and password again on the next page. Mm. So how does it know that you're still logged in on the next page? Right. So the on the server end, what it's doing is it's maintaining some kind of session. Uh, there are lots of people who are going to talk about you know, stateless tokens. We're not we're not there. We're not talking about that. We're talking about stateful, the good old tried and true session. This is how we did it in the early 2000s. Man, get off my lawn. <laughs> crazy jot kids. <laughs> you crazy jot kids. Get these uh. jots out of here. Um, but, you know, one, one tried and true strategy is when someone logs in, you start a session. That session is a unique key that is tied to a user um, and optionally maintains um information about their session, like when they logged in or, you know, 
do they want a menu open or not, or, or you know, just whatever you want to put into it. Point of order. Is this something that you store in the database? Or is it something that you store... Where on the server is this kept? Well, you, I mean, you have lots of options of doing that. I mean, tr I think traditionally it's on a database, but you could have it in a Redis server and have that distributed over a number of, 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 of servers if you had it. I guess technically you could do it in the file system, but don't. Uh, you could do that. Don't, right. Most, don't most do that. people, yeah. uh, it's either in the database, in a Redis server, or some like super fast key value store. Mm. Um, actually, the reason I brought this up is uh, PHP uh, and many other languages like it have session built into the application runtime. So yeah. like there's a session store that many PHP users use until they need to switch out to multiple application nodes, in which case it Is that has just to go memory? Through. Yeah. It's application memory. memory. Application memory. Right. Which works fine if you're on a single node instance, but you go across a load balancer to multiple application servers and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and, and then your server two doesn't know that That's server right. one thinks it, you're you're logged in. Right. Unless yeah. you're behind a load balancer that has sticky sessions and blah de blah de mm. blah. Back to topic. <laughs> 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 Forgot what the topic was now. <laughs> so yeah, but that's that's on the server. There's a there's a let's just make it simple and say it's a database. It's a yep. database thing. So when you make a request, the server needs to know which entry in the database, which session in the database to get. And the way it does that is through passing a token, often a, a cookie. Okay, so so when you logged in mm -hmm. and it says welcome. Alan Blunt with a question mark at the end. Um, then it responds with set this token. Yeah. Or sorry, set this cookie. Yeah. Right? And the cookie is session ID and it has some giant number. Yeah. Right? And then when I make the page request for page two to the server, I say, hey, here's my session ID. Right. Or the browser does automatically because yeah, it's a browser. cookie. Right, right. Cookie, the, the cookie sends that through automatically with a request. Mm -hmm. And then the server reads that header and looks for the session ID and then has access to all of the other crap that we put in the session table about you. Yeah. Hey, your user record number one, two, three, four. Sometimes people will stuff some or all of the user record in there to save a database lookup back to the user table. Right. Um, sometimes people put stuff in the session like let's say a shopping cart like the stuff in the cart might not be a long-term record but a short-term record yeah in which case it could go in the session or, or something like that right and you, an interesting point about this is that the way you send the token back is not really important if it's cookies fine if you are taking that token and putting it in an authorization header, great. If it is uh, in the URL as a as a query parameter, that's fine. There, there, those are three different ways of sending that session token back. Cookies is off now because it's easy. Right. For, in the browser. traditional web browser sense, in this mm -hmm. example that we're talking about, that's mm -hmm. what makes the most sense, right? right. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is totally legitimate and always used mm -hmm. um, a query string parameter of like access token or key or session ID or whatever you want to name your variable. Right. Um, and in the world of API requests, RESTful requests and so forth, you mentioned that there's a header. There, the standard header for that is authorization is the key. Mm -hmm. And then the value is whatever your schema is for passing that. Right. So for our API at work, we've got authorization and then bearer in with a capital B right and then a space it's a bearer token and then the yeah. token right yeah. which is like totally industry standard way there's 70 other standards that are all totally legitimate but right. in the end of the day you're passing a unique and trusted 
expiring <laughs> temporary token back to the server right. such that your server is aware that you are currently logged in as this user and we trust you. Right, right. And and uh, expiring is important because if not, you'll walk away from your computer and you still have an active token that will, you know, other people can That's grab it. and Yeah, use session hijacking is, is probably the main way for people to gain access to a system. Right. Yeah. So, so sessions work... Sessions work because we've got all these standards for or, or, or good practices for how to pass tokens, which are random-looking strings. They're not necessarily random, but they're they're random-looking. Yeah. And I guess one of the... Difficult to guess. Difficult to guess, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess one of the more robust means of passing tokens around is, is OAuth. Um, and uh, o- OAuth is not a... Is, is, not an authorization tool. It is a token passing tool. You can, you as the OAuth2 server creator or, or owner get to decide how you're going to do the authorization. OAuth2 is really about passing tokens back and forth across domains in a secure and reliable way. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a trust delegation scheme. Basically, uh, uh, I, as this server, have decided that I'm going to do a OAuth exchange with Google or with Facebook, Facebook, Fifth, Fifth book, Fifth book, um, <laughs> or GitHub or Twitter or whatever, right? right. Any other OAuth vendor. And or Alan's discount authorizations. I could totally set that up. I got you. <laughs> I got you, dog. <laughs> Alan's authorizations.com. Discount authorizations.com. I like it. Hold on. Alan's authorization. We got to come up with another A word for Alan's authorization. Alan's atomic authorization. That's not bad. I was thinking of something worse. Um, Anyway, um, so yeah, you you as an application author decide who other OAuth vendors you want to trust. You set up shared tokens from your server to their server Mm -hmm. with your account on their whatever. And then your user says, hey, I want to start logging in. Mm They make a request to them. They get a special token. You make a request to them. You get a special token. You exchange those tokens. You present a yeah. login screen, but it's not your login screen. It's their login screen. Yeah, o- OAuth is really about that that procedure. Like right. you want to you want to authorize some server to talk to another server on your behalf. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, do this other thing. Yeah. Step four, I don't know, do the hokey pokey and turn around. And there 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 are a whole bunch of different ways of or 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 um schemas of of steps yeah you know for for your different purposes but they all they all you know oauth isn't about what that token looks like that's still up to you sure sure and the process is actually a little open right yeah like it is commonly implemented in like one main pattern right Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be you you can go through a couple of different paths right um but it's a good it's a good exercise to stand up both the entire pathway to use somebody else's OAuth system as well as standing up your own OAuth host. Mm. And there's probably actual words for this, OAuth provider, some special term that you have to, I don't know. There, there are. There's I, like a resource I, server and that's things it. like that. I, I did this, but it was several years ago, yeah. and I have forgotten the details. Right. Uh, but I use OAuth all the time. And, and the truth is I try not to let any of my users type in a username and password because I trust OAuth a lot more. <laughs> um, I force all of our employees who have admin access, they can only OAuth. And their OAuth has to go to Google 
and their Google account has to have two-factor turned on. Nice. So it's like, like I'm putting all of the importance of security off mm-hmm. onto Google, and I just trust the Google tokens. Because Google's going to do it better than you. I have not currently implemented two-factor on my internal application. <laughs> I could. I have, I've, I've uh, definitely done it as proof of concept and mm-hmm. can use Twilio to send session tokens and stuff, but I don't need to do that. Uh, it's already built. Right. And OAuth is easy. People don't want to have to remember an extra password. Right. Um, and do another two-factor thing or whatever. They're already logged into Gmail. So it's one of those things of making it easier for the user and making it more secure at the same time. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of OAuth. Yeah, yeah. But the the the, the token itself is still, uh, you know, what what you are actually passing around, you have to. That's true. Create. Yeah. It, it, yeah, the whole OAuth path path that we just talked mm-hmm. about. It's like four handshakes down and two servers and the hokey pokey. Um, it, the end result of all of that is still just a a session token, a session token, or or something different. One of these. Newfangled jots. <laughs> uh, so, is it time for your curmudgeon speech? I, I have, I have thoughts. <laughs> I have many thoughts. No, okay, okay. Jots are fine for exchanging information between servers. You've got a, you've got a thing. Well, hold on, hold wanna... on. What's a jot? A jot. Okay. Well, a jot is a, um, it is a token. It's got um, three parts. Hold on. Does anybody else say jot or just you? I've always said JWT. I think it's jot. Really? I've I've literally only ever said JWT before. I think I read on a blog somewhere that it's pronounced jot, so I took that as authoritative because if you read it on the internet, it's got to be true. I don't know. There's not a vowel. I can't say it. Someone said jot. Jot. Well, right, sorry. You, if, you come, if you come up with something better, I will use that. But for now, jot. All right. So it, it is a token. It has, it has three parts to it. It's got a header. It's got a payload. And then it's got a signature. And the idea behind this is that the header has kind of information about the JWT, its, its algorithm for its encryption algorithm, its, um, uh, the, the time it was created, some other things. I forget. It's the type of thing you look up instead of memorize. It's got a payload, which is actual information about that, that, that you want to pass from one server to another. So it could be a session ID in that payload. It could be a user ID. It could be a list of, of uh, uh, you know, your favorite colors. You know, whatever you want uh, in a JSON object that's been um, uh, not URL encoded, but uh, base64 encoded. Um, and then you've got a signature. So once you get your, your, your header and, and your um, and your uh, payload, you do a one-way hash using a secret that only your server knows, and 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 uh, if it's uh, and, and and the destination has the public key for that. So you sign it, um, you send it, then the uh, other server will check that signature to make sure that nothing's been tampered with. So it's a way of sending information from one server to another server where that second server really doesn't trust you and gives you gives them an opportunity to verify that what you're sending is actually, you know, this is the actual real list of favorite colors that I have. Okay, so we're not sending just a single number, like a single big long lookup number. You totally could. That's a session ID. Yeah. Now we're sending 
multiple records. We're sending a whole session table, basically, like a, a like all of my colors and my user information and what my session is. And it could be very and, long and lots of other junk yeah. in the token that I'm sending to the server on every request. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's what we're doing. That's no. Don't do that. <laughs> well, well, why not? Well, well, you can you can do a one-time thing and send information. That's a really good way for one server to say, here, here's some information, and you can trust it. Check the payload. But what a lot of people, and here, here are my thoughts, uh, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what a lot of people are using it for at, is that 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 way of 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 passing session information back and forth between the server and the client. So instead of maintaining a database. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people say this is this is a way to have stateless requests to your REST API. So instead of having a database or a, a memory store that's got your session information, just put it all in the in the JOT. Send that to the client. The client will maintain the JOT and send it back to you on every single request in the uh, as like an authorization bearer token or something like that. Um, and the idea is that this is this is going to. Um, uh, you know, make your server stateless and therefore faster because you don't have to check the database every single time you get a request. And that that's not really true. It doesn't it doesn't work out that way. I mean, um, one thing you lose immediately when you do that is you lose the ability to invalidate the token. And people have talked about this before, and there are ways of of kind of making it look like you're invalidating it. So the people say, well, just make the token expire quickly and then they'll have to refresh it every two minutes or five minutes or something like that and so if you remove the um, the refresh token then you've effectively invalidated it after you know two minutes because the next time they they try and and refresh the token you won't have a refresh token to, to give them um, so basically what you're saying is when someone clicks on log out you agree to log them out at some point in the future Right. So a real world example of this is like if you have the same page open on two different browser tabs mm -hmm. and you click log out on one, mm -hmm. you expect to be logged out on both. Right. But what would happen with JWTs is you would be logged out on the browser that you clicked logged out on. Right. But the next one would still have that JWT token, still send it in, and the server would respect it. Right. Or if you, there was still a token that the server would respect if it's on another tab in your browser or if someone has intercepted it and used it, they can still use it for that period of time. Yeah. And you may say, well, it's like two minutes. What do you care? But I think that there are certain contracts in an application that you really need to enforce. And when someone says, I want to be logged out, I think that's one of them. I think that as a developer, you have an obligation to log them out right then and there, especially if your application deals with say, financial data or other right. people's uh, private data. Yeah, or like administrator privileges into a system that has lots of other important data or sensitive data or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you need to log them out. And so if you're going to, you, you can uh, you know, maintain a list of invalidated um, JOT tokens, but well, all right, now you've got a database hit. But you're still looking time. up. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you save? Yeah, you didn't save anything. Right. Um, and it also, it can lead to a relatively large token over the wire, which isn't mm -hmm. the end of the world, but it is going on every request. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Going on. And it could be big, but, you know, you could make it small. But even if you make it small, for me, 
that logout issue is yeah is, that's a legit is, issue um and what you're saving doesn't seem like a lot if your application is one of the applications that is already going to hit a database and is already going to do database lookups right maintaining a session on the server is really simple yeah right like that you're not saving a lot in that scenario yeah but there are other scenarios where jbts make sense right. like where you are authenticating and maintaining session or state or whatever across multiple systems right, right? now it's not your system it's like these four different systems and perhaps i only authenticate to one of them um but that authentication needs to sort of daisy chain off to the other ones or my authentication process ends up creating not one session but instead four sessions mm -hmm. because that authentication process does initiate multiple backend sessions, but those sessions are still temporary, mm -hmm. but need to be maintained. Right. Either my server maintains all of those remote sessions, or I bundle all of those uh, session tokens into a payload and maintain that payload back and forth with the client. Right, but still, that's that's using Jots to exchange secure information, not necessarily be the the stateless. That's champion. true. That's not the yeah. that's not the 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 stateless champion that you were talking about. Right. Now there are scenarios where maybe your application is itself basically nothing but an API arbiter, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe it doesn't have a database. Yeah. In that circumstance, um, a job makes a lot of sense because you don't have a session to just tack your data onto. Hmm. So you could use, say, an OAuth, authenticate, grab a token, you get a basic payload, you put it on the client. You trust it forever, <laughs> and then, and then using that authentication, you could do other stuff with other APIs. I didn't like that trust it forever thing. You well, I hold on, <laughs> <laughs> just go on, move yeah. along. Nothing to see here. Um, but, but but given that scenario, like let's say it's a little mashup, like right. a little hackathon type thing, or like you know a little pet project or whatever. In that scenario, you can get from zero to a a reasonable API like application, API-driven mm -hmm. application, um, without maintaining a database or a session, right? There's value in that. Right. Well, yeah, but, I mean, if you're going from zero to to one in a hackathon, just use basic authentication. Uh, well... Over over SSL. And you get from zero to one very quickly. Um, hmm. Well, that wouldn't work, would it? Hmm. You're talking I'm about. thinking about, like, something that uses, like, Craigslist and like yard sales mapping and some other mm -hmm. API and like you need to sort of have information about all of those things, but you didn't want to stand up a database. Mm -hmm. This well, is well, yeah. If you're kicking it off to someone else to handle, then yeah, this yeah, is a let weird, them let them worry about weird it. scenario. Yeah. yeah, I would say ninety million percent of the time, I uh, maintain a database for right. anything that I build. Right. And if I've already got a database, stuffing a, a session token is not bad. Yeah. There's a little bit of overhead in checking the session token on every request. Right. Um, but I probably wouldn't just trust the JWT for everything anyway. I'm going to be hitting mm -hmm. the database to look up the user record to know who's currently logged in. Right. It's not like I'm going to pass the entire user record and all of the other stuff that I need if, in it. If you've got an application with a database that has information interesting information that you want to send to a user anyway you're going to be hitting the database yeah that's what i'm saying yeah yeah so in that case i mean again I, i've never used jwt for anything like right. big or productiony i've just it's, played with it it 
it's so hot right now and I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you know why JWTs are so hot, please call us at yeah. <laughs> one nine hundred. Explain this to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, and to be to be fair, I know that there are a lot of other arguments for JWTs, and and you know I only touched on the one thing well, that, the, that gets me going. The pain button for you is that it's always authentication and session, right? right. That's yeah. the pain. The truth is, as an exchange mechanism, Perfect. between systems. Wonderful. It's a great tool. I mean, it's very sophisticated. It works well, and it it is a a cool concept. Love it. I give it kisses. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. But every every page load authentication token is a little weird. Yeah, that's weird. I I I just use a random, a cryptographically strong, random, hard to guess random string. Yeah, that's that's it. It's got no real information in it at all. Over a secure connection. Over a secure connection. Yes. Yeah, that's important. Because secure connections are so cheap now. <laughs> uh, and you like know, there's no excuse for not having SSL on your site. I agree. It's free now. They've yeah. got the free, th- which is sadly still hoops to jump through. It should be easy. Well, actually, I guess I haven't checked on it in a couple of years, but yeah. the free SSL cert was hoops to jump through. Yeah, is it let's easy encrypt. now? It's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty easy. There were some caveats like um, uh, I, I, I they don't have wildcard. Um, yeah. Certificates. Yeah. Which again, if you're rolling your own, that doesn't matter. If you right. got something legit, pay for a wild card. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, All right. So we've harassed JWT users. We have gone Why over. Why is it so hot right now? <laughs> we've gone over. Um, OAuth is a fancy pathway to getting a session token. We've talked about sessions forever. Uh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Oh. What is single sign-on? Like, I feel like I'm, I feel kind of dumb for not really I mean, honestly, it. how often does that come up, right? It doesn't. It comes up in, I, uh, in corporate corporate discussions some. Um, at Microsoft World seems to use it more. Um, there's uh, occasionally you'll hear about SAML, S-A-M-L. Um, I have. <laughs> but uh, in the end, what is single sign-on? It's, it's almost that same OAuth thing. It's trusting somebody else as your authentication source. It's trusting somebody else as your authentication source and getting that sign-on token. Um, and it's a bunch of handshaky things to, to exchange that trust. A lot trust. of process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you read the data flow diagrams, it's complicated. Um, short answer is you pass off the responsibilities of authentication to a trusted source your server knows how to talk to that trusted source mm-hmm. and handle the responses from it. You end up with a session. Right. I right. mean, implementation is kind of awkward on that one, but overview is pretty simple. Right. Uh, OAuth is still complicated to implement from scratch, but easier. Lots of very well-written libraries, especially yes. Node. Yeah. No, that's what I know. About. Well, no, there, there, there's OAuth in everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Certainly much easier if you're trying to make a product to find one of them <laughs> than to roll your own. You know, what I notice about, about authentication is that the, the, the hard part is always, or the, the, the challenging part, the part where, where you're, you're, the majority of your effort in coding is going to go is in the communication between servers, not necessarily the actual authorization. What are you doing on the authorization? You're taking a plain text password, you're hashing it, you're checking against the hash that you've stored. That's not, there's, there's not a lot to do there. And that's pretty, that's pretty simple. OAuth is all about the process by which two computers 
handshake and exchange token. Well, Sounds it all comes, like SSO is kind of similar. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, and it all comes down to trust, right? right? Who do you trust? How do you trust them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a great topic for some future episode in the double digits. Future um, episode. But uh, uh, the, the username and password system makes sense and is simple because it's a solved problem. But it's simple because the thing that you trust is your salt and your cryptographic schemes, mm. right? Um, and the, the channel between you and the user, right? As soon as you introduce another server to the system, you don't know their salts and they don't know your salts. Like the, the things that are the core structure upon which all of your cryptographic trust is based are not shared between those two systems. Without that shared base, then you can't just trust basic one-way encryption. It has to be a handshaky thing of things that you did share and trust previously. Mm-hmm. But the share and trust previously isn't user-specific. That's, I stood up this server, and it has thousands of users. But I don't want to individually register those thousands of users. That's what you're doing with the OAuth. <laughs> you're, you're registering the thousands of users that is trusted because of your application's trust with whatever your vendor is. And each of those vendors go off on their own path and come back. I feel like one day we should invite a cryptographic expert to to just explain to us things like Diffie-Hellman, whatever that is, and, and <laughs> just various ways that, that, that computers have exchanged uh, their, their, their keys and things like that. I, I think we would, we would nerd out. Oh, hardcore. totally. Honestly, yeah. I mean, things as simple as like, your RSA ID, like the thing that you first do when you generate an SSH key and put it on GitHub so that you can push and pull mm. without having to type in your password every time. By the way, if you type in your password every time to GitHub, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, Make so your life easier and set up an SSH key. SSH. <laughs> you just do that. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. Um, but even something as simple as that, like that's the starting point for any new system and I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I understand the high level of how it works. Right. But the weeds right. of what makes your public key and the private key. Right. And, I mean, I know the rules about how to use them. I know the levers to pull to make it work. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the under the hood stuff, dude, I'm sure that that's many episodes in and of itself. Yeah. Badassery. Ooh, maybe next month. A couple uh, months from now. That's several months from now. Yeah. Let's 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 help out people <laughs> we with might the basics. Not last that long. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, are we done? Yeah. Uh, did we authenticate this I, episode? I think we authenticated. That's not really good. <laughs> no. uh, did we log in? No, that does not it at all. Did we button it in? Button it down? It's in the can. In the can. Logged in the can. Logged in the can. No, none of this is good. Scratch it all. Scratch it all. Edit. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the edit room floor. Why? Well, thank you for listening. Uh, I, as you can tell, you know, we have thoughts, especially about Jots. Jots. You thoughts hate about Jots. Jot hate. <laughs> I don't hate them. I just am I jot or not dot com? Am I jot or not dot com? Perfect. <laughs> nice. Well, tune in next time. We're gonna have a, a you know we're gonna continue this theme of authentication and authorization. We're gonna try and get into a little bit more detail. Uh, this is kind of an intermediate level developer talk. You know, getting into jots. We're gonna try and go to uh, more advanced stuff next time. And we hope you join us. And we'll see you podcast with us this is npm run podcast with aaron and alan exit code zero exit code zero